Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. This episode is brought to you by PubSite. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website. Created by the book industry veterans at FSB Associates, PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder specifically developed for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 50, PubSite allows you to build, design, and update your website pain-free. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 a month, which includes hosting. PubSite is used by Tom Clancy, Robin Cook, Janet Daly, and hundreds more. Head to pub-site.com for more. Greetings, friends. My name is Mariquita Guerrera, and I am here with Steph Terry, and we are going to talk to you about our favorite spooky books for this fantastic spooky horror season. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, I'm excited because I think every season is horror season. So <laughs> my my personal holiday, and I might have said this on the podcast before, but like my personal holiday is Friday the 13th. And I don't care where it falls <laughs> in the year. Like that's my holiday. I get really excited about it. So I'm I'm very excited about it. That's and so interesting. <laughs> my mother's birthday is Halloween. So I feel like I oh, come wow. by it. Yeah very naturally. So one of the books I wanted to talk about actually was already mentioned by Sally. Our blog post that she put up was called The Strength of Grief and Joy of Rage. Mm, And that that was up September 21st. So she talked a little bit about Reluctant Immortals by Gwendolyn Kist, uh, who is a, she's a Bram Stoker award-winning author. And um, the story is about Lucy Westenra, who was a victim in Bram Stoker's Dracula and Bertha Mason, who was the wife of Rochester and Jane Eyre. In the book, she's known as B, and they're sort of in this in this version of the story, like B uh, is immortal because of like the greed that Rochester had, like took um, a demonic form and like inhabited her. And so like now she's sort of like stuck and it takes place in 1967's Los Angeles. Like they go to hate Ashbury. It's sort of campy and like sort of creepy and the classic horror monsters are there there's like a love story there's like something for everybody that want that likes horror but doesn't want to be like squicked out or like <laughs> you know like scared to turn off the lights at night it's just a fun but who doesn't want that i mean i do but not everybody <laughs> does and i, I respect that i respect <laughs> that um but oh my gosh i loved it revenge betrayal social commentary queer romance i mean come on these women are strong women in this book and they fight to help each other instead of like tear each other down and fight for the man even though that would have been a real easy direction to go with this like it was set up to kind of look like that and they Gwendolyn Kistlick just didn't 
go that direction. And I loved it. Yeah, I need to put that on my TBR because I can't believe I haven't read it yet. Especially I, I did I did edit that that post mm-hmm. for Sally and I was like, this sounds like my kind of thing. And the cover is beautiful. <laughs> the cover's beautiful. It is. It is a beautiful cover. It was very hard for me to <laughs> to narrow down my list of <laughs> horror recommendations. But you know, I I did the best I could. Uh so the first one I wanted to mention is Okay, horror is such a weird genre, and it overlaps with so many other genres. So the first one I want to mention is Grievers by Adrian Marie Brown, who, you know, is a well-known writer and activist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I first picked up this little eensy-weensy book, uh, I thought it was going to be a straight-up horror, but it's more, I guess, like a dystopian sci-fi horror mishmash, which is cool because those are all things that I like. So in this, I guess I'd call it a novella. So in this novella, a pandemic is spreading throughout (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, I had to read all the pandemic fiction during the pandemic because I'm a masochist. Um, But a pandemic is spreading throughout Detroit. Each of the pandemic's victims seem caught up in some terrible or terribly sad memory. And when it hits them, they freeze there, wherever they happen to be, remaining completely still and mostly silent until, this is so depressing, until they eventually waste away and die. Stay with me here. (laughs) The protagonist of this book is the daughter of Patient Zero, and she spends the story trying to get to the root of this pandemic. Um, But what complicates things and what sort of elevates the book for me, I, I feel, is that it seems as if only... Black folks are catching this sickness, and officials seem to be a bit too willing to give up on Detroit as a whole, leaving it to die a slow, drawn-out death. Um, So I read this early on in the pandemic that we are still, you know, within. (laughs) And so the way it placed that spotlight on health disparities during a pandemic felt so, so, so relevant at the time. So I felt like it was a really special book, and she actually um, has a sequel for it coming out in January called Maroons. And I think it may end up being a three book series. I can't quite remember, but but I wanted to throw out Grievers because I thought it was a great little read that, that packed like a big punch. Yeah, and it's not very long. No, no, not at all. It's a teensy, teensy weensy book. It's oh, even teensy weensy physically like. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. It's super cute, but I mean, cute in size, not in, in content. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I I like when writers take something that is like a a real true horror issue Mm -hmm. that we deal with and, and, and health disparity and a disparity of just empathy, you know, um, Mm -hmm. for uh, people of color and communities of color is that's not fictional. Right. You know, and it's, and it's terrifying and terrible. And so I, I love that. That's a great, that's a great way of taking that. And And I think that horror is such a fantastic genre to explore mm, those things. Yeah. Another book I wanted to mention was uh, The Women Could Fly by Megan Giddings. Have you heard of that book? I've been hearing all the things about that book. It's another one that I've yet to read. So tell me all about it. So, okay. So I, I finally broke down and I got a Libro FM subscription. 
And so I listened to that on audio and the narrator was fantastic. It just absolutely perfect. But I was, I was attracted to the book uh, because of the marketing copy. Like I'm easy to market books too. You just say like, this book is reminiscent of Margaret Atwood, Shirley Jackson, and Octavia Butler. And I'd be like, all right, I'll take it. Um, I don't, I don't see the connection to Shirley Jackson in it. I'll be honest with the comparison, the comparisons to Margaret Atwood and Octavia Butler are spot on. It's okay. I've got a, I've got a Shirley Jackson one for you later. Um, Um, Yeah, but this is this isn't it. Um, But we're introduced to protagonist Josephine Thomas, and she's named after Josephine Baker. And um, her mother was black, her father's white. And we're living in this reality where witches do exist, right? But they are like very controlled by the state. There's a significant um, risk to them if they don't follow through on all these different like control measures, like they have to be listed on a registry. They've got to disclose that they're witches to anyone they correspond with and like say that you might find yourself under this. But, you know, there's just like a lot involved in it. And her mom disappears when she's 14. The authorities take a a big interest in her, sort of a similar kind of idea because they that black women in particular are more susceptible mm. to being a witch and to terrorizing the community. I mean, <laughs> anyway. Um <laughs> Uh, And so they interrogate her and they interrogate her family and they decide um, 10 years later, Josephine and her father decide 10 years later to just officially declare her mom dead. They've found no leads. They know nothing about where she went. Upon declaring her dead, uh, her mother's attorney contacts her and says that she has an inheritance coming to her, but she needs to follow through these steps in order to get the inheritance. And what ends up happening is she finds her mother. She finds out her mother was a witch. She's living on an island in like a coven and she has to decide if she wants to stay with her mom or if she wants to go back to reality and like the 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 choice that she makes to do that is like it shifts the book entirely and part Mm. of being back in reality is what women are required to do is by a certain age be married Mm. or to be on a witch registry and so she knows that she'll have to be married like there's a whole and she'll be investigated because she disappeared again like her mom disappeared and it's just a great great book it's like almost a little bit handmaid's tale which i hesitate to say because i feel like people like they're like and this is the new hand it's not like right. that but like the idea of like a state male state control of women um mm-hmm. that runs through that book also runs through this book and it also does feel like very parallel to our reality but just with like a little bit of a shift I feel I feel like I've been reading so many witchy books lately and I'm loving it because I don't usually but but the next book I wanted to mention actually goes in a di- it goes in the vampire direction. We're going Ooh. in the vampire direction. So Claire Coda's Woman Eating. You know, I've written about this book so many freaking times on Feminist Book Club probably and on other, on other sites too because I can't shut up about it. So of course I'm going to mention it today. So Woman Eating was billed as a millennial vampire novel and I am not a millennial, but I guess I'm like one of those exennials. I don't know. Either way, um, so Lydia, the vampire in question, um, in this book, she leaves her mother in a nursing home so that so that she can strike out on her own and and pursue her artist dreams, you know, as we do. So being both biracial and half human, half vampire, Lydia has often felt that she doesn't quite fit in anywhere. So for her, this often manifests in cravings for Japanese food, cuisine that she feels would make her feel closer to the father 
she never met, but but which she is unable to eat because she's a she's a vampire. So instead, she's forced to subsist on you know blood sausage powder, which sounds horrific, and she tr she tries really hard to you know ignore her pull toward human blood because she hates that vampire side of herself. Her mother has always taught her that that is the monstrous, awful side of herself, and she hates seeing herself as a monster. When I read this book, again, I went into it thinking straight horror, wasn't thinking about the other levels that were going to exist there. But what I ended up loving about this book was the use of food as a vehicle for Lydia's search for belonging. I thought that was I thought that was so clever. And when I actually, I messaged with the author on Instagram after I raved about her book, <laughs> fangirled all over the place. And she's like, you know, I didn't actually think of it as a horror book either, she told me. She said she thought of it as a book about, you know, friendship and, and all these other things that had nothing to do with horror. They just happened to, it just happened to contain a vampire just yeah. living, living her life. Yeah, that was just the yeah. backdrop. That's fantastic. You know, yeah. a book I can't stop talking about is The Hacienda by Isabel Cañas. And I interviewed the author, Dr. Cañas, in um, in May. And that book, ooh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I love that book. Uh, if anybody hasn't heard that interview, please listen to it. It's my favorite that I've ever done. I'm not trying to be self-promoting mm -hmm. here, but like I really loved <laughs> that interview because we got a chance to talk about how gothic novels really there's a foundation of predation in gothic novels on mm -hmm. uh, of colonialism basically and so this is a post-colonial gothic which be still my beating heart book of my dreams oh <laughs> my gosh love it um and so the hacienda takes place post uh, war of independence in mexico the author is a historian so she did a ton of work making sure that there's was there was authenticity there uh oh my gosh it it shines through but it you don't like need to necessarily be a lover of history to really get a lot out of it you can just go along with the story it's got a sexy priest it's got a bat yes <laughs> there's a sexy priest there's like a terrible like girl boss i mean you know like the idea like hashtag girl boss like we're over that like there's one of those mm -hmm. in there classism racism religion the spanish inquisition and, and a haunted a very haunted mm -hmm. so great it's so great i cannot stop talking about it it's like rebecca plus jane Eyre plus mexican gothic but like all its own thing it's fantastic uh, i believe that renee talked about it on a recent instagram post too for someone who was looking for a for a book that was like mexican gothic something mm. like that i mean it's fantastic i think everybody would like this book i hope i promoted it to my local book group which uh -huh. is always kind of a scary thing when like you love something and you're like, would you like to read this thing that is a piece right. of my heart? But I'm sure they're going to love it. Nobody could not love it. It's great. I mean, well, my God, I just put it on my hold list then. <laughs> it's so good. It's so it's good. <laughs> I mean, how could I not read it after that? <laughs> okay. So I love I love these women horror authors that that are coming onto our radar these days because, you know, I grew up reading all the white dudes of horror and not even... It, it didn't even occur to me that I was just reading a bunch of white dudes and that there might be anyone else out there. And that there were, I mean, there were obviously some people out there, but not enough. There weren't enough. And I find that there are some new authors coming onto the scene lately who are, who are putting out so many great horror books. And uh, one of them I met a few years ago 
is Rachel Harrison. So she's one of my favorite female horror writers working today. So in 2019, which feels like a thousand years ago, I moderated a book discussion of her debut novel, The Return, at New York Comic Con, which was, you know, it was a blast. That was a fun experience to, you know, I like to go to Comic Con and nerd it out, but to then get to moderate a horror book club discussion, <laughs> I was in heaven. I was in heaven. So her, her books are billed as horror. And I do think of them as sort of comedic horror, that there's a lightness to them. But what I really like about them is that they give insight into female friendships. And they do this so well. Um, so for my recommendation today, it's not The Return, which I love. So I'll recommend that too. Is that cheating? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's fine. <laughs> it gets a pass. <laughs> I wanted to mention her second novel, Cackle. In Cackle, we're introduced to Annie a protagonist who seems to suffer from like exceptionally low self-esteem, especially in the wake of a breakup with her longtime boyfriend. So she really wants to reconcile with him, but uh, instead she resigns herself to this new life in a remote village where she landed a new job. And soon after she moves there, she quickly latches onto a new bestie uh, in a relationship that seems, you know, increasingly codependent, but, but whatevs. <laughs> It's, it's okay. But it soon becomes unclear over the course of the book who needs who more. And on top of that, the other villagers are like weirdly afraid of Annie's new friend. So spoiler alert, but not really a spoiler alert. Annie's new friend is a witch. I was just <laughs> saying, I was reading a lot of witchy books. So Annie's friend, new friend is a witch, but that's in the book description. So I'm not really spoiling anything. Well, and it's called Cackle. So I feel like. <laughs> so I'm okay. We're okay. Yeah. So for me, the best thing about this book is how it plays out in the end, which obviously would be a spoiler. So I'm not going to ruin that for you. So you will just have to pick it up and read the whole thing. And then you'll find out why I loved it so much. Because it was the end that really did it for me. <laughs> I am going to have so many books on my TBR after this discussion with you. <laughs> <laughs> I recently read Cursed Bunny by Bora Chung. Uh, oh. So th that book has been out internationally. It's um, shortlisted for the booker, but it's not coming out in the States until December. Mm -hmm. This is the book that's like Sh Shirley Jackson. This is the author that's oh, like Shirley Jackson. Okay. Yeah. And at first it felt very like scary stories to read in the dark. Do you remember those books? Do I remember and those <laughs> illustrations? Yes. Yes. I remember everything. <laughs> they, I loved them. I Oh, you're like a kindred spirit. Um, <laughs> I loved them. And it the at first it reminded me of that, but like grown up a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, just like, ooh, creepy and like surreal ooh. and just the wrong side of reality. Her work has been described as magical realism, horror and sci-fi, right. like all wrapped up in one collection. And, oh and that's like pretty accurate. The first story is comes in hot with just disgusting, like toilet gross out stuff. And I am not a, not a gross out person. I like horror. I've never, ever liked gross out humor. And right. um, and that's just the person I am. But I still really loved this. And the way it's all just a bunch of short stories. And the way that this story like culminates at the end, you're like, whoo, like, yeah, okay. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I've never heard anybody tell this story. I've never heard anyone tell this mm-hmm. story, but I like it. I like it. And mm-hmm. then it just progresses. Some pieces are shorter. Some are a little bit longer. My two favorites in this in the collection were the Frozen Finger, which is like a Twilight Zone episode in short Ooh. short story form. It's like very. What? I think maybe like ten pages or something. Just keeps sounding better. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a, lo- a slightly longer piece called Home Sweet Home, which is like so so Shirley Jackson that's like Mm -hmm. it's a story of like this young couple who like buys a mixed-use property and they just have like problems and problems and problems that happen with it and like you can tell from like the outset that like something's weird here but Mm -hmm. like you don't really like get it till the end of the story like you Mm -hmm. know those stories that like pull you along and you're just trying to figure it out and then like the last page you're like oh like that that's what this is like this is this is fantastic this is a fantastic collection I am so glad you brought up this book because I recently got you know since they're releasing that new edition I got an advanced digital copy for my kindle but it turned out to be weird on my kindle so that it turned out sideways and tiny and I was like well I clearly cannot read this and I was like maybe I should just take the risk and buy it maybe I should but how will I know like will I be will I regret it but now I feel like I won't regret it so yeah no you won't regret it another book I wanted to mention is by Tanana Rive Due and it's called The Between and uh, it came onto my radar because a new edition was released last year like she has been kicking ass in the horror genre for years and years and years but, but once this new edition was released, I was like, okay, let's check this out. So in this book, a man who survived a near drowning as a child, you know, begins to question the details of that day, particularly after um, racist hate mail directed at his wife places like all this added tension on his home life. And it makes him start to lose his grip on reality, which, which I always love because I love the the psychological horror. So if we're losing grip on reality, we don't know what is real and what's not, then then that right there is my jam. This book is filled with supernatural suspense and I couldn't look away and I read it so, so quickly. So what's great about this one and why I wanted to bring it up is that if you do end up loving it, there's you know a fairly sizable backlist to explore. Like she has so many other books going on. So once you get hooked on on her with that book you could read all the other books and you'll be set for well it depends on how quickly you read (laughs) (laughs) you'll be set for a little bit of time oh I love that I love when you find an author that you really like and they've got a good backlist Mm. already and you're like oh fantastic (laughs) like this is oh this is just joy I'm with you on the psychological horror Mm -hmm. I mean really that is my favorite kind I don't mind things that are like gruesome Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mind ghost stories or or monster stories, but psychological horror is like really my favorite. I am going to have to mention, I now that we've talked about her so many times, I am going to have to mention a Shirley Jackson book. So I, <laughs> <laughs> That's fine with me. <laughs> I, she's, you know, she's most well known, I think, for the story of the lottery. I think most mm-hmm. people read that in school and she's got a lot of other really great uh, books uh, as well. But We Have Always Lived in the Castle is Mm-hmm. Um, it's my favorite of those. And you're not, you, if you've read it. Yeah. It's like the, ba- the basic premise of it is that like, there's this family that live in this old, like manse outside of town and the, the, the townspeople don't like them. They don't trust them. All of the family members died in like a poisoning accident 
accident except two sisters and an uncle. And the suspicion is that it wasn't an accident, that it was like intentionally done. And so there's like this rhyme that the kids like taunt them with as they're walking to the store. I cannot like get it out of my head. You know, it's something I think it's like, Connie, Connie, would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> and it just like goes, it, oh, she's it's, so fantastic. It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. It's not like the most like creepy of the stories that she's mm-hmm. written. It's not super, super deep, but it's really compelling. And like, you just keep going with it and like, you can kind of see what happened. So it's not very unsettling really, but it's still captivating and she is just Mm -hmm. a master writer and Mm -hmm. everything she does is gold if you ask me yeah I'm right there with you but my last recommendation for today is you know I wanted to mention someone who's actually my favorite horror writer just my favorite contemporary horror writer as I was saying I grew up with the white dudes so so for the longest time obviously my my this is so embarrassing obviously my favorite writer was Stephen King for a very long time in like middle school and high school Uh, you shouldn't be embarrassed that's I mean I just read fairy tale and I was like he still got it I mean he might not be able to edit things down but he still got it Yeah. Uh, (laughs) yeah my favorite horror writer working today and it makes me so happy it's a woman because yes T Kingfisher which is the pen name of Ursula Vernon who writes weird and creepy kids books and I'm actually reading like the hamster princess series right now with my child and she's loving it too which makes me so happy and I don't let her read them without me because I am enjoying them just as much as she is but she writes those adult titles mostly horror and dark fantasy under the kingfisher name my favorite already published book of hers because I don't want to I don't want to just be like this is the book that I love the most and you can't get it for six months um but my favorite already published book of hers is the very first one that I ended up reading which is called The Hollow Places in this book a young woman discovers a strange portal in her uncle's house which leads to madness and terror which is you know my favorite things I feel like if I say any more than that I'd be giving too much away because it's that kind of book but the plot aside What I really love most about Kingfisher are her characters. So they have such a great sense of humor, even when faced with the sorts of things that should make their minds just snap. Like it's this sensibility. It's that sense of humor that that keeps them together. And it also helps, I think, cut the tension for the readers too. Because things are so, so freaking creepy, but then they're just like sassing off some person or sassing off some horrible creature and you're like, (laughs) and you're laughing out loud during a horrible moment. And she does this so well that I legit wrote her a fan letter last month, which I've never done before because I read the book that's coming out in, in six months, A House with Good Bones. And I was like, damn, you're good. You were so, so freaking good, good, but it feels so like cruel to rave about it too much this early, but read read all her other books. And then by the time you're done, even though they're, again, they'll be quick reads. Um, <laughs> by the time you're done, maybe that one will be pre-sales out. Pre-sales are really important for authors. They are. So... Pre-order the book. You know what? Don't even, don't even start. Just pre-order the book now because I tell you. A House mm-hmm. with Good Bones, and then you could start by reading The Hollow Places, and then you could read every other thing that she's written. And then by the time you're done, the <laughs> new book will be out and you'll be ready. That's right. 
That's awesome. Well, I just have one honorable mention and then we can close um, because I don't want to hold people hostage too long talking (laughs) about my favorite kinds of books. But I am about two thirds of the way through the final girls girls support group by Grady Hendrix. And I have always really liked Grady Hendrix. I don't Mm -hmm. understand why he's marketed as like a comedy horror because it's never funny. Um, (laughs) It's not. I don't understand. I don't know. I guess people just think they'll buy his books more, but they're not. A little funny there's a little lightness in them I there's feel like it's like more like pulp than funny I think mm. it's sort of like contemporary pulp it's great it, it takes the idea of like the final girl and like puts them all like in a community together and like what happens when like something or someone starts hunting them down again and like mm-hmm. I don't know how it ends because like I said I'm only two-thirds of the way through it but I think I'm gonna like it so I'm putting an honorable mention I'm putting it on the I list. think that's valid did you see that my best friend's ex Exorcism was released yesterday, the movie. No, I didn't. I'm so excited because I loved that book. So I'm going to watch it. I'm I'm probably going to watch it tonight. I'm probably going to watch it tonight. I think I will too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Steph, thank you so much for joining me. I really love talking about horror books and I especially love talking about horror books with you. Oh, thank you. Likewise. (laughs) (laughs) Where can folks find you online? If they want to talk more about I mean, books or anything I'm on else, Instagram. Really. I'm on Instagram mostly. It's at Steph Terry. Mm-hmm. And I have a website, stephalterry.com, which has all the links that are relevant to the web of Steph Terry. Well, <laughs> I'm on Instagram only and only sporadically at O underscore Murray. Thanks so much. This was a wonderful discussion. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for Brownie Points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. Well, red woman is a dangerous creature, creature. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.